The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome back after such a long hiatus. We had a very, very nice holiday break for Hanukkah and Christmas and Boxing Day and Kwanzaa. And oh my gosh, I missed solstice. So uh, blessings to you on your 2015. And we are going to start right out with a bang. I'm actually coming to you today from sunny Southern California. How amazing. Did the show last September from London. I'm doing it today from L.A. It kind of um, follows wherever I am, which is, is very cool. One of the things to be grateful for in our newly technology-ized society. So I am out here and we're doing a lot of fun stuff for Miss Liberty for our feature film. Meeting with some folks out here. If you don't know about Miss Liberty, you can just go to MainStreetVegan.net. Click on the Miss Liberty tab. You can read the synopsis of the film and hear the song. So we're out here helping that go from being a great idea, a wonderful uh, screenplay written primarily by my husband, William Melton, with some help from me. And it's becoming really real. So just a message if there's some dream, some project, something in your heart and mind and soul that's going to help animals, help people, help this planet, do it. Because it is amazing how things can happen and how dreams come true. Now, for a very, very long time in in my life, in my young life in particular, I had 
one dream that seemed impossible, and that was make peace with food and my body. And I struggled, and I dieted, and I wrote articles about food, and I met famous doctors and nutritionists, and I wrote articles about them thinking that maybe it would be contagious, and somehow I would be magically cured. Well, actually, I was magically cured, but not because of any of that stuff, because of making peace at a very deep level. And I love it when I find somebody else who has a similar story, and when that somebody is also a vegan, well, gosh, got to have her on the show. So coming up in this segment is Mags Baker. She's a nationally known diet-free coach and expert who helps women find their true bliss by giving up dieting. Yay for that learning to crave healthy foods and moving their bodies, all the while finding their healthy, natural weight. As the leader of the Desserts and Mini Skirts online group boot camp, Mags helps participants free up their mind space from worries about food and dieting and exercising. And additionally, as I said, Mags is a vegan. She's a feminist wife and a fan and resident of the San Francisco Bay Area and planet Earth. Welcome, Mags. Hi, Victoria. How are you? I am very, very well. Very happy out here in the sunlight and happy to be speaking with you. So let's just jump right in in this January when so many people are making the resolutions one more time. How is your life different now that you don't diet? Oh, my gosh, Victoria. And I know that you probably feel this way, too, but... Going from a life where every January meant it's time to diet, it's time to come up with the brand new way that I'm going to lose weight finally this year, (laughs) to a life where this January I have so many other things to think about. There really are so many other goals out there um, to make yourself a better person than just losing weight, and it's so refreshing. This is my third year in a row that I have not been dieting, and it's just pure bliss to be out there. And so that's kind of how my whole business started is that I found something that I thought was impossible. I Just like you, I thought I would never be able to be in a room with cookies thinking about anything but the cookies. <laughs> um, and I have. And it's just amazing to be sitting here also in sunny California today and thinking about so many other things that are going on um, in the world and just having a pure love for my body. Wow, that is a grace. So why should other people think about giving up dieting? Well, honestly, number one, dieting, it just doesn't work (laughs) for starters. It doesn't work for the general population. I mean, only 99% of people don't work at dieting, so (laughs) it doesn't work, and it didn't work for me. And uh, year after year after year, diet after diet, uh, I finally reached a point where it was time to either know that I'm going to be dieting every year for the rest of my life and it's not going to work or try something totally different. And so I think people are stuck in this dieting cycle because society is stuck in this dieting cycle. And society tells you, um, go on a diet, lose weight. If you lose weight, you'll be super successful. You'll get the person of your dreams. You'll look hot and everyone will love you. And that's people are just eating that stuff up. So I think one of the main reasons people are stuck in this dieting weight loss cycle is they don't know that there's another way out there and there is another way and it's a better way and it's a happier way and it's a more love-filled way. 
then tell us the way. Ah, (laughs) so the main thing that I always say, and it's even the signature line in my emails is just be kind to yourself. Um, with dieting, we're being cruel to ourselves. We we go through it and we're trying to lose pen, 10 pounds and we hate the way our bodies look and we're starving ourselves and we're doing all these things that are just not good to our bodies. Um, so taking that first step and being kind to yourself and realizing that depriving yourself of cookies for the rest of your life is not going to make you happy and it's not going to make uh, your body happy. <laughs> um, and just taking that first step and loving yourself the way you are, where your body is right this second and being kind to yourself right now will really work in the long run when your body does find your healthy, natural weight. And I could not agree with you more. And something that I've been thinking about recently is how much it's perception of, of one's body Because Mm -hmm. you can be the exact same weight and measure one day and the next day, and yet you can feel like you're thin and and fit one day, and the next day you can feel fat. Absolutely. Absolutely. That whole feeling of fat. Well, fat is not really a feeling, (laughs) (laughs) but it is. We make it a feeling. And so often it's that scale that is such a big part of dieting. I've been on many diets where the scale is the central part of dieting. And that's honestly the central mood buster or mood enhancer. I remember thousands of times stepping on that scale. And before I got on, I thought, oh, you know, I look pretty good. I feel like I lost weight. And if I hadn't lost weight that week or day or hour, uh, my day was ruined and it all went out the window. And to have something so trivial as the number of pounds that you take up on this earth telling you what your mood should be for the day, that just is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it, it is crazy. And I think that feeling good about oneself and feeling confident and having that translate to how you feel your body is appearing in the world, it's because we live in a culture that certainly for women has made the size and shape of our body so important. And I think it's it's complicated by the fact that we're in a culture where a lot of people really harm themselves with food and really do eat so many processed foods and junk foods and eat for emotional reasons. And so the body that's reflected back at them when they say, I'm not beautiful. No, it's not that you're not beautiful. It's that you've eaten foods that have, have given you really an illness. Mm. So um, it's not simple, but in a way it is when, when you come to the decision that you're just not going to diet again. But a lot of people are blocked from that. They, ju- they just want to keep in the cycle. What do you tell them? Yes, definitely. I know some people have to be kind of at the right place when they do finally come to me. I have people who have been on my subscription list for a really long time and they follow some of what I'm saying, but they're just not at that ready place. And that ready place is just being totally fed up and realizing that it's time for something different. Um, A lot of people think also, you know, Mags, if I give up dieting, I'm obviously going to go crazy and gain a million pounds. (laughs) I hear that one 
all the time. And so what I tell them is actually, no, it's dieting and dieting leading to binging. And that's such a common thing. Restriction always leads to excessive eating. And that's what's keeping you in that unhealthy um, body that you're in now. But giving up that control completely and giving it up, you know, 90% of the way isn't going to work. You have to give it up completely. Promise that you're never going to diet again. Feel that you're truly done with dieting and it's kind of like flipping a switch. Your whole life changes and you think about food really differently once there's never going to be another Monday where you're going to start that diet again. So I better pack in all these cookies tomorrow. Um, all of that vanishes. And so with that goes pretty simply the overeating and the binge- binging and the guilt around food. A lot of that disappears when you give up dieting. So mm. giving up the control is actually the answer to finding that natural healthy weight that you maybe never would have found with a scale and with a number. Well, I hope that anybody who suffers from dislike of their body or, or up and down weight swings or, or the diet cycle is really listening closely to what you're saying because I know from experience that it's absolutely true. You're really telling a lot of, of my story and in my case, it's been good for more than 30 years. So how exactly do you teach people to crave healthy foods? Mm, yes, that's that's a huge part of it. Um, I wish I could, you know, stand up and preach, you can eat whatever you want, and that includes cookies forever, and you'll get a healthy body weight. <laughs> um, it does include cookies. I love cookies. I've probably mentioned them a lot already on this show, um, but craving the healthy stuff is the other side of that. So before when I was in that diet mindset, I had not even a love hate, a full hate relationship with vegetables. When I was dieting, the vegetables were just the thing that I ate instead of the good stuff. So instead of having pizza, I would have vegetables. So vegetables just kind of got the brunt of that deal. They, they were only replacing the stuff I really wanted to eat. Um, and then on the other side of that, on the days or weeks or minutes that I wasn't dieting, uh, why waste any of that time on vegetables? Cause I soon would be starting dieting again and vegetables would be everywhere. So I didn't want to waste any time on vegetables. So there was a pretty screwed up relationship, I would say with vegetables and, and vegetables is my go-to, but with all sorts of nutrition, nutritionally based foods, um, all of that stuff. So to crave the healthy foods, one of the um, big things that I focus on, and it's going to be a whole week intensive study on in my upcoming program, is mindful eating. And I'm a huge advocate for mindfulness in general, but mindful eating is huge. And that's one of the biggest things that changed um, the way I ate into the way I eat now. And now I truly do eat whatever I want. And that does mean that I'm satisfied with just one of this or just two of that and that my body really does want salad and I found ways to make salad as delicious as possible and now I actually crave salad and I crave quinoa and I crave all of these nutritionally dense foods so mindful eating I could preach it forever (laughs) well I I would love to hear you preach you can be the uh, dietary uh, evangelist around here so tell (laughs) tell us what's coming up for desserts and miniskirts yeah so desserts and miniskirts this is my flagship group program so it's an online program I mean it's it's a group of people that are all doing it together. So there's a sense of community in that. And it starts on Monday, January 26th. 
It's four weeks long, and each week there's a new topic. Um, people will get a video on that Monday. They're about 20 to 30 minutes, chock full of information um, on that topic of that week. And then each day there are daily exercises, some in-depth journal entries. Um, there are activities. There's all sorts of stuff to kind of get your mind and body in the way of living diet-free, craving those healthy foods, yearning for exercise, and falling madly in love with your body. Oh, yum, yum, yum. It just sounds <laughs> wonderful. So how do people find out about this? Great. It's on my website, magsbaker.com. Right from there, you can just head on over to the desserts and mini skirts page. There's tons of information on there, whether, you know, you can find out if this program really is for you. I outline who this program is not for. So you can really be clear on who this program is for. And this is my second time running this program. So I've taken what I learned the first time from um, all the people that took it and really reshaped it, added a ton of bonuses. Um, And this one, actually, every participant will get a personalized Q&A email with me as well so we can really pinpoint any of those struggles that they're working with. So I'm just totally stoked about this. I think it's going to be fantastic. Well, you just have this beautiful infectious energy. So I know it's going to be a wonderful program. So thrilled to, to meet you and know that you're doing this great work in the world. Let's do stay in touch. And everybody, check out magsbaker.com and the des- desserts and mini skirts part of that. And, and take her wonderful <laughs> Thank you course. so much, Victoria. Um, it was wonderful meeting you. This could be the year. This could be the year. Is, no, no dieting again. Thank you so much, Megs. And everybody else, do stay with us. We're going to be joined by the co-founder of the American Vegan Society, Freya Dinshaw, her daughter, Anne Dinshaw. And if you want to give us a call, 888-558-6489, you can win a membership in the American Vegan Society and a subscription to American Vegan Magazine, courtesy of Main Street Vegan. Stay with us through these messages. programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world that's easier than ever with mobile giving just text unity radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives what if you could experience vibrant health help heal the planet and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller.
like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Reverend Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm so happy to be starting this year by looking back at some of our history and looking forward at what is happening in the vegan world right now. And I'm so honored to be sharing this time with a couple of my favorite people. They are the co-authors of Apple's Bean Dip and Carrot Cake. Kids, teach yourself to cook. It is a wonderful cookbook for kids and for people like my husband who never learned to cook when they were kids. Uh, Freya Dinshaw is president of the American Vegan Society. Her daughter, Anne, is vice president. Freya has been a key organizer for local and national events that encourage compassionate, helpful living. She has taught cooking classes to people of all ages for over 40 years. Now, this to me is so important because as co-founder with uh, the late DJ Dinshaw, pardon me, um, her late husband, Freya, founded the American Vegan Society in 1960. That was another world. But these two incredible people believed that we needed a vegan society in this country. And heaven knows I needed one because if I hadn't found them, I just would have kept eating all sorts of awful things, and heaven knows where I would be. So I'm very, very grateful to Freya and Jay for for giving me much of, of the wonderful life that I have. Freya is the author of The Vegan Kitchen, the first vegan cookbook in the U.S. with the word vegan in the title. And the first edition of that was published way back in 1965. Wonderful book. I still use it. I love the uh, cheesy cashew celery dip, one of my favorites. And um, is a co-author of the book Powerful Vegan Messages with her late father, H.J. Dinshaw. And it includes an updating of his pioneering writings on compassionate living for today's world. Anne is a professional rowing coach. And she seems like the girl next door who just happens to be a lifelong vegan and can host a dinner party that everybody enjoys. Welcome, Freya and Anne. Hello, Victoria. We're pleased to join you this afternoon. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. And again, to anybody who wants to give a call, 888-558-6489 or you can tweet me, Victoria underscore Moran, and just put hashtag 
American Vegan Society, and I will be in touch with you, and we'll get you that subscription to American Vegan Magazine, and you can be a member of the first vegan organization in this country, still going very, very strong. So tell us, Freya, just a little bit about those really early days. Why on earth did you think that America was ready for veganism? Well, Jay was the beginning of the American Vegan Society, and he had become convinced of how important veganism was, and he was ready to tell the world. Now, the world wasn't as ready to listen as he had hoped, but he put forth a lot of effort um, into this. And uh, he had started by importing a book called Why Kill for Food from England, which was by Jeffrey Rudd. And it really was a wonderful book. And if you ever find an old copy of it, there may still be some around, you'll find many of the arguments and um, information in there to be much the same as we're hearing today. Just the same information gets repackaged and represented to new people with each generation. And there were some wonderful people back at that time who were talking about veganism. Most, For the most part, they were in England. And so Jay was anxious to get the message out to people in America. And one of those people from England happened to be you. <laughs> I know you, you moved to this country. You, you had been pen pals with Jay. Yes. Well, I grew up as a vegetarian, but um, Jay talked to me about veganism and convinced me bit by bit, I didn't do it all at once, to become vegan. And you came to the U.S. to get married sight unseen, was that right? Well, we came to see each other after I had been here for a bit. We decided uh-huh. to get married. I see. Well, it's a great story. It, it, it's a love story, not just between the two of you, but for really all, all life on this planet. And I loved um, Jeffrey Rudd's book as well. That was the first vegetarian book that I ever read. So it's interesting that that was of influence to you. So did you ever think at that time that you would see veganism as it is today? I don't think so. No, because back then you couldn't find tofu, you couldn't find soy milk. We made some rather horrible mixtures, <laughs> uh, like putting peanut butter and, and water in the blender for milk to put on your cornflakes. It was just, just not quite right. <laughs> And uh, the soy milk availability was li- was limited, uh, but we owe a lot of debt to the Seventh-day Adventists who did health food stores and brought many of the products into the market that um, vegans would use. Yes, yes. Well, let's bring Anne into the conversation. So, hey, Anne, so as, as a lifelong <laughs> vegan... What was it like for you as a little girl? Did you think you were doing something very strange or did you get it early on? That I always knew that we were doing it for the animals. And so that made good sense to me, as I think it does for most children. So I had a lot of friends at school. I got to know them for other reasons. They didn't necessarily know that I was vegan. And back then, if they even knew that I wasn't going to eat the animals, I would say vegetarian because some of them had heard that word. And I really think that's kind of carried through for many years that people get to know me for for me and for all the other aspects besides being vegan. And then they go, oh, well, you have all this energy or, hey, you look great. And then they ask about what I'm doing. 
And then it comes up in conversation. So when I've got something that they'd like to know about, then I usually tell them I'm vegan. Right. Except for if I'm in town being a vegan speaker, then they kind of know. <laughs> and there is a, what, third generation vegan uh, in the family now? Yes, Clint. Yes, he just turned four. And he is very outgoing, very uh, eager to give people uh, his little business card and invite them to watch his videos. And he makes videos on YouTube under uh, Kids Teach Yourself to Cook. It's a YouTube channel. And he really wants other kids to get in the kitchen, have fun, and be healthy just like he is. That's so exciting. You know, one thing that I find disconcerting, if you Google vegan most of it is going to be really, really positive. We're going to see that it reverses heart disease, that it can help prevent Alzheimer's, many kinds of cancer, all sorts of great things about the diet. But you can also see mother in some town somewhere loses child because of vegan diet. Every now and then there's some sort of, of problem or perceived problem with having your, your child be vegan. What what do you think about that? Well, I think it's changing a lot now over what it was in the past. Back in the early 70s, it was almost tantamount to child abuse to raise your child as a vegan in the minds of some people. But uh, the proof's in the pudding, so to speak. Um, and if your children are well and healthy, that's good. We had um, you know various blood tests and other um, things done with for our, our children, and the results always came out very well. Well, I think it's important, and I think it's important that that you have an understanding with the people at school. I only ran into two problems raising my daughter vegan. Once she went to um, an acupuncturist, and and the whole traditional Chinese medical philosophy has a long history where they do believe in animal foods. And he had said to her at, at one point, if only you didn't, you weren't on this stupid diet. And I was so taken aback at that because if he thought the diet was stupid, he should have told that to me, not to her. And then another time I was going to be mother of the year one day. And instead of just putting um, soy milk in, in the lunchbox, I got up early and made carrot juice. And then there was this uh, little message that came home in the lunchbox. We see that your child is missing one of the food groups, and they checked the dairy group. We were living in Wisconsin, (laughs) which was probably a little bit why the dairy group was overemphasized. And I remember just being so upset about that. But what I see now is that if, you know, you just talk to people and educate them a little bit, it goes a long way. Has, has anybody given you any flack about Clint, Anne? No, um, I think the society has changed so much that people actually are commending me for raising a vegan child. They're amazed that I'm doing it still, but they're um, very supportive, very much saying, well, I need to get my kids to eat more fruits and vegetables. And um, I think the tide's really turning in people's awareness where people are always saying, oh, I quit quit eating meat on Mondays or um, I'm going to try being vegan for January or whatever it is. It's, It's a completely different feel when you mention it today. 
Right. So when you guys look out at the vegan world, there's so many aspects. There seems to be a very foodie culture in, in one, one part of, of veganism. And then there's also, you know, a very kind of strict way of looking at, at diet in, in certain circles uh, for, for health and healing. And th- there's a lot to it. When you observe, Freya, what's going on now, how does it strike you? Well, there are lots, so many good reasons for being vegan, and you say, as you say, very good health reasons. But unfortunately, there are a number of people who try to be vegan and are not so successful at it. And I think that's why we need a lot of vegan friends out there um, sharing their veganism with other people so that they can appreciate what a wonderful bounty there is and wonderful opportunities with veganism for better health and energy and so forth. Well, I think we all need support, and that's what you and Jay were to me for many years. It took me a long time to finally make the transition, but you guys never gave up on me, and I think we need to never give up on other people, and sometimes I get discouraged when I'm... Yesterday, I'm out here in L.A., I went into a Mac store to get a phone charger, and and this young guy uh, struck up a conversation, and he said, I own the URL Fat Vegan. And I said, well, that's so cool. Well, you're not fat. Are you vegan? He said, well, my dad's vegan and I used to be vegan, but I still have the URL. And so we were chatting and I happened to have a copy of Main Street Vegan and, and gave it to him. And I just feel like we need to really reach out to the ex-vegans because I guess statistically a lot of people try it and not nearly as many as we would like stay with it. We have uh, a campaign with American Vegan Society called Vegan Generation. And so we're compiling a list of all those different reasons why people don't stick with it and giving them more information about different um, areas that they found difficult and trying to be a resource for whatever people find that's difficult that brings them back to being vegan. Well, that's really good. I know I was just out here talking with Juliana Hever, the, the dietitian, and we're going to propose a panel for Vegetarian Summerfest along with Ray Sakura about ex-vegans and, and hopefully getting them back. Because, you know, it's one thing when Joe down the street goes back and it's too bad for him and his health and the animals that he's going to eat, but it's when somebody famous who gets up on TV and makes a big deal about being vegan and then makes a big deal about how oh, it was terrible and <laughs> didn't work and don't do it. Well, I think most people uh, who do it for health reasons or the environmental reasons, um, once they get the compassionate reasons, then they're going to stick to being vegan for life. Um, but when you come to it from another reason, it's kind of like dieting. Uh, they're not necessarily going to stick with it. But once you really connect with what you're eating, that that is an animal or it is a plant and you have the choice of which it's going to be, that's what keeps people. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if it was James McWilliams. I'm probably giving credit to the wrong person, but somebody was saying it. Oh, no, it was it was Rip Esselstyn. It's not what you're eating. It's who you're eating. And once you see it that way, then it's it's really difficult to go back. So, Freya, in, in your view of, of the kind of long-term picture of, of this movement, what do you see as either the big turning point 
or several turning points over time that have helped this movement become as big as it is today? Well, I think forming an organization in the first place was important. There had to be a source of information. Uh, Jay had worked um, as manager of various stores, and sometimes I think we were something like a hardware store for vegans because we had uh, books that we could gather, and there were just a very few in the beginning, but now there are so many that we have to trim the list because it's overwhelming. And... uh, as I say, Jay worked in a hardware store. He also was a manager of a jewelry store. So we certainly had some jewels in our collection of things with the American Vegan Society. Um, getting out and going to uh, on lecture tours, meeting and speaking with people was very important, not only for the help that we gave them, but for the help that they gave us. Uh, much of my book, The Vegan Kitchen, The recipes were gathered from um, some from my mother-in-law that we veganized or from my mother, but also from people across the country that we stayed with when we were on the lecture tours. And they fed us and uh, shared recipes with us, and it um, got collected to go into the Vegan Kitchen Cookbook. Which is still for sale through the American Vegan Society. It's also on Amazon. And it's a great book. Somebody was at my house not long ago looking through it and was saying, gosh, this is so simple. And I guess they'd only seen the really complex kind of vegan recipe books, which are wonderful for people who really want to spend a lot of time in the kitchen. But um, There are wonderful chefs and they can produce wonderful food, but they very often their recipes have such a long list of ingredients that it doesn't work for the average person. Yeah, I know. And they always say, well, just use something else. But um, you have to know <laughs> what the something else is. Now, so I keep really, going back to the vegan kitchen myself and saying, oh, this is a good book. <laughs> well, We're it, a special on it right now, too. So the people who have a copy and it's all stained up, they can get two copies for the price of one right now because we really want everybody to have the book. And we're about to kick off Vegan Cuisine Month, which we can tell you about later. Okay, that'll be cool. So as we head into break, uh, give us all the ways to find you, the website and wherever else you want us to look. AmericanVegan.org. We're also on Facebook, American Vegan Society, and Twitter, American Vegans with an S. Cool. Oh, that's all of us. So Mm -hmm. we all need to be going there. That's at American Vegans on Twitter, American Vegan Society on Facebook, and AmericanVegan.org. Got it. And uh, you can join or you can call us or tweet me at Victoria underscore Moran. And uh, we'll just get you joined up and you can find out all the exciting things going on with these wonderful people. And stay with us through this message. And we're going to talk about, what are you calling it, Cuisine Month? Vegan Cuisine Month. Vegan Cuisine Month, loving that, and uh, your terrific book, Anne, and everything else going on. Stay with us, and we'll be back with more American Vegans. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. 
Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity Online Radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit www.unity.fm and click on Mobile Listening. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We were just talking during the break with Jeff, our engineer, who got himself some badass vegan cookies for Christmas. And he liked those, even though he said, well, you know, they were scary to look at because they're green. They have spirulina. But uh, yummy, yummy cookies. We did a show with John Lewis from uh, Badass Vegan. You can check that out. Um I'm always looking for something that's healthy but still kind of reminds me of the old days <laughs> and what I thought was good a long, long time ago. And, and those are, are some of those. So we are here now with uh, Freya Dinshaw and Ann Dinshaw of the American Vegan Society. And they are about to launch Vegan Cuisine Month coming up in February. What's that all about? Well, we invite people to try vegan food. So we're creating awareness of the proliferation of vegan options. So restaurants, diners, universities, schools, religious groups, workplaces, anyone who doesn't normally offer a vegan fare is encouraged to get involved. And this is going to be reaching out to people who are not vegan and sharing with them how wonderful vegan cuisine can be. It's also an opportunity to have people Uh, learn about history of veganism. So we're going to share a person that we honor each day of the month who has really made great advances in vegan cuisine. So it's a celebration of vegan cuisine history and vegan cuisine's future where people are encouraged to get involved. We have a wealth of resources on our website, AmericanVegan.org. So we give you samples of how to go and talk to a restaurant, how to set up an event, how to ask them to do vegan options on the menu, and numerous other things. Oh, that sounds great. Tell us a couple of the people who have furthered vegan cuisine. Besides your mom, we know her. (laughs) Well, if I go back to when Jay and I were on the road on lecture tours, when we were out in Los Angeles, we met Dr. Pietro Rotondi, who was president of the Los Angeles Vegetarian Society, and he had a cookbook that, except for the use of honey, was vegan, and that was published in 1942. 
1948. Anyway, we, we spent time talking to him, and we had some dinners at his place, and he certainly was someone that we owe a lot to. There were many people who came to the dinners and quite, a, quite an interesting crowd of people. Well, you know, when you have a vegan event, you get an interesting crowd even now. But I'll bet that in those days it was super interesting because you would really have to have been someone searching for interesting, unusual, cutting-edge information when nowadays you just have to Google vegan. Dr. Bronner was there at Rotundi's dinners with the Bronner soap. Oh, Dr. Bronner's magical soap. So that was a real person. Yes. (laughs) And rather eccentric, as I understand. Someone called Gypsy Boots. Oh, that's... That's an old name that I remember as well. Fascinating people. Oh, my goodness. That's very cool. So, Anne, uh, you have a wonderful, wonderful book. I just have to say, Powerful Vegan Messages is well-named because it is powerful. I don't see how anybody could read this book and not say, okay, I get it on so many levels. So what's it about and how, how, why were you inspired to write it? <laughs> well, it uh, really, it started from just reading some of my dad's old writings. And, you know, as a kid, you kind of, who wants to listen to their dad, giving them another lecture or read the writings. But as an adult now, I read some of his writings. I said, wow, this is really good stuff. People should read this. And that's kind of how it got started. We were down to the last couple cases of his book, Out of the Jungle. And I thought we needed a new edition, um, as we were talking about earlier, sort of revamping it for the next generation. And um, simultaneous to that, uh, since my dad passed away in 2000, there have been a lot of people who have come forward with just amazing stories of how he touched their lives. And these vegans who I look up to as being vegan luminaries were sharing these stories that I just felt needed to be collected and uh, packaged in a way that people would enjoy. So that's what Powerful Vegan Messages is. It's my dad's story. It's uh, me talking about how it's still applicable today to have compassion for the animals as well as people and the environment. And uh, connecting all these vegan luminaries and showing how sometimes it was difficult for them to become vegan. But look at the amazing things they've accomplished. And so, of so, course, Victoria's one. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, who else is in the book with you and me and your well, dad? There are over 40 of them. So we have people such as Brian and Sharon Graff, who run the North American Vegetarian Society. Charles Stoller, who is one of the leaders in the Vegetarian Resource Group. Tom Regan, who's a well-known animal rights person. Uh, There's just lots of people who were very connected to my dad. And through collecting their stories now, I've become friends with them as well. Oh, that's wonderful. Powerful vegan messages. Seriously, I know I have a lot of authors on. and I always say, read this book, read this book. This book is important. This is the kind of book that you want on your shelf uh, along with the scripture of your religion and a really good dictionary. I mean, it's it's a fabulous book, so do do order it and, and read that. You'll be so glad that you did. So what do you guys see as as the future of veganism? What What can you look into your crystal ball and tell us? 
Well, we were just talking about powerful vegan messages, and the important thing you get from it is how many people were influenced by Jay and learned about veganism from him and what they did with that. And to take it into the future, each of us needs to realize how important what we do and say is and how we can influence other people and make a big difference. That is really important. And I love it that so many vegans are so creative and are coming up with whether it's badass cookies or whether it's, uh, you know, some sort of, of YouTube channel or uh, fashion. You know, there's something and I think we all have gifts and we can all use those gifts for the cause. So um, we talk a lot about athletes uh, on this show. We have so many wonderful vegan sports people these days. And you, Anne, are a rower and, and a rowing coach. Have you always been athletic? I have. I've always been athletic. And uh, rowing was my sport in college. And I've been coaching professionally ever since college. And how do you connect your your veganism to that? Do you feel that it gives you extra strength or stamina? I feel it definitely keeps me a lot healthier. And although I may have uh, decided that veganism is right for me because of the compassionate reasons, uh, it definitely does give an edge in the athletic arena to be healthy and stay healthy. Well, rowing is such an interesting sport. I I have a friend in, in New York City, Alicia Reiner. She's actually... If you watch Orange is the New Black, Alicia plays the warden. Uh, but anyway, she was also a producer on a, a film called Backward, which was about women's rowing. I don't know if you saw that, but it was the first really exposure other than knowing that you did it to a sport that I didn't know anything about. So, But I guess Dr. Esselstyn was a rower, was actually an Olympic rower in his yes, youth. Yes, yes. Much more uh, rower than I am. <laughs> oh, well, the things we do. So every Memorial Day weekend, the American Vegan Society hosts a garden party, which is quite a big party in Vineland, New Jersey, near Philadelphia, where you're headquartered. Do you know yet what's coming up this year? Oh, yes. Vance Lemke was going to be one of our speakers. And we're going to put Anne on the program as a speaker, too. So... Uh, we've got two very good speakers. Oh, wonderful! Because Vance is funny. Yeah, that that'll be great. You you guys will have a, a beautiful late spring day there in New Jersey. So I have a question. Knowing um, the early work and and Jay, I remember Jay telling me that natural hygiene was the other side of veganism and for those that don't know anything about natural hygiene it was popularized in a book in the 1980s called fit for life it's pretty strict it was fruit in the morning and you can't eat carbs and proteins together and that always confused me because it seems that all the plant foods already have carbs and proteins in them together and and in your writings now, Freya, and, and in the American Vegan Society's outreach at this point in time, you're a lot more flexible with the food. How did that evolve? Well, I think it evolved naturally with my own experience. I tried um, to follow natural hygiene teachings very strictly, but I found that in real life you had to make some changes to make it work for you. 
and that's so interesting because that's so much what our first guest was talking about that you know kind of in giving up some of the rules and and getting into the spirit of the thing it it seems to work much better plus you know it is fun sometimes to get your uh apples bean dip and carrot cake book out and actually make the carrot cake yes indeed and we and we can do that certainly with really healthy ingredients and uh, keep it all on the up and up and enjoy life quite a bit. So in our last couple of minutes, uh, what's up, what's new, what is exciting you, and what would you like us to be doing to support the American Vegan Society? Well, we'd like everybody to become part of our Vegan Generation campaign If you are vegan already, then you've got books on your shelf to loan to people. You've got a wealth of knowledge of how to prepare food, invite people to dinner, and just make that one-on-one contact with people. And then for the people who are not vegan yet, we ask you to learn about it from three major sources. So a book, an event, uh, a film. Don't just take one person's idea of veganism, but really, truly learn about it before trying it for whatever number of days you decide to try it for. So we have a lot of information on our website, AmericanVegan.org, for the Vegan Generation campaign. And uh, we hope to have lots of people doing that, as well as becoming members of American Vegan Society. And and I just am such a supporter in terms of getting the word out. I think if you're a vegan and if you're in North America, anywhere, you need to be a member of the American Vegan Society. That's just the way it is, in my humble opinion. So thank you, Anne. Thank you, Freya. Love you both so much. Thanks for all you do. And everybody, please be back with us next week. We're going to have a couple of fabulous people. Our appetizer guest is my first yoga teacher. She'll be joining us from London. Her name is Stella Churfus. She's 90 years old, and she still teaches three yoga classes a week. And then we'll be joined by Dr. Neil Barnard of Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. They've actually opened a medical clinic. Can you believe that? It's in the Washington, D.C. area. Wish that we all had access to a whole bunch of vegan doctors and good vegan ideas. But, you know, it happens one place and then it's going to happen lots and lots of others. Thank you so much for being part of the Main Street Vegan Show. We love you all. God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. The world is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity 
confidence and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment from Reverend Joan Catuso and Unity Magazine is brought to you by Unity. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Reverend Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, it's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Reverend Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. 
I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.